Hello and welcome to the Path 11 Podcast with your hosts, Mike and April. April is off again this week, but she'll be back next week when we talk to Robert Wagner. This week is part two of our conversation with Graham Nichols. If you want to know more about Graham, please check the show notes for related links and information. You, you do offer OBE coaching through your website? And yes, I, I, I teach one-to-one through uh, tuition, um, which is available through Skype. So I do that all over the world. And I also run a course, a five-week course, an online course called the Navigator course that's also on my website. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're the main. And occasionally I do workshops as well, um, select workshops in different parts of the world, usually in the, in the UK, but also sometimes in the US, etc. But the courses and the coaching, I think, are the most effective ways to learn because they allow for more time um, for you to actually get to grips with the techniques and also the wider process because I don't just focus on techniques. I look at the person's wider life, um, the levels of stress, the levels of um, creativity, the types of things the person likes doing. I try to bring all of those into the mix, into the process for learning basically. Okay, yeah. The uh, Your book, uh, Navigating the OBE, Radical New Techniques, mm. um, is that what you mean by radical where it's, it's a different approach than to just yeah yeah okay. that that's the the whole that whole book is based on that kind of idea it has the idea of the profile so you create a profile of the personality type of the individual so instead of how most people try to fit um the you know fit the technique to the person um you uh sorry fit the person to the technique you I, I take the approach of fitting the person to the technique so you find through the profile by looking at the person in depth what exactly would be the best method for them as an individual what are their skills what are their um what's their natural attributes as a person and then use that to select or develop a technique um then the the book also um, looks at this idea of immersion using immersive processes to take you deeper, a bit like what I was just mentioning with the idea of shutting off the senses or overwhelming the senses through um, different practices. Well, that classic approach is really, uh, I call it immersion. And I've been working with immersion for a long time using different structures, using techniques, uh, using technology like virtual reality and things like that which we didn't really get into but i've built high-end virtual reality systems at the science museum in the uk and things like that so my work goes far beyond the literal basics of the out-body experience into scientific research and into technology and things like that as well that yeah that sounds pretty uh fascinating because right now i'm, I'm just i'm just using one technique and it's the you wake up in the middle of the night, like 4 a.m., and you you know you go do some work or whatever. You you know read something, or then you know an hour or two later you go back to sleep for like another two hours. And I've had pretty good success with that, but I, I've got to really expand my techniques. And I, I think this book uh, is definitely goes far beyond <laughs> the typical uh, uh, techniques that I've you know read about in the past. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, just yeah, I I I should really pick that up. And uh do you have like um a technique that works the best for you uh that you would want to share or techniques wise um I I I just use a very simple process because I think like I was alluding to um when I mentioned this sort of more holistic approach um I think the most important thing is to have all of the factors in place, like your mental state, your physical state, all of those kinds of things. All of that is more important. So if you get to the point that you you are deeply relaxed or deeply in the exhaustion stage, um, which is you know another way of getting to the the body shutting off, basically, um, if you're in that kind of state then going to the full experience is very easy because the vibrations will 
come come about very easily. Um, I've also got my technology, the infraliminal sound, which helps to bring about the vibrational state. So um, from there, it's just really about putting your awareness or your or your in, attention on a different place or idea or destination. So that's really kind of all I all I do really. But I think for for people learning. Um, it's obviously you need to go through all of those steps and you need to build that foundation and you need to understand the mechanisms behind all of the techniques. All of the techniques really have a similar series of steps involved and I, I think that's really um, what you need to sort of understand through the process. Um, the most effective technique for me all, all the way through was always just doing the basically the body of light technique that I mentioned which is you would just imagine a figure out in front of you and then try to transfer your awareness into that figure um, but again as I mentioned people are very different some people are more lucid dreamers and they're better with the sleep methods and the, the waking up and going back to sleep type sleep interruption type methods other people are better at uh, conscious projection, trance states, altered states. Other people are better with sound technology. You know, there's there's different things are better for different types of people. So that's really how my teaching and my approach uh, differs from anything else I'm aware of. So it's almost like building a lifestyle around yeah. the OBE or choosing a technique that fits your lifestyle <laughs> in, in a way. Um, yeah yeah okay that's very that's very interesting and i wanted to talk about the infraliminal as well that you uh talked about a second ago um can you go into detail about that exactly how that works how it works is is a bit beyond the scope of what i what i can explain right now but it it's basically it works on two principles which is kind of um uh, frequencies and the natural rhythm within the frequency. I don't know if you've ever heard a, a frequency as you turn down a frequency in a consistent way, you get a kind of rhythm that comes out of the descending frequency, basically. So that's one of the key elements of it is this descending frequency, but then also um, which basically brings about a sort of light sort of trance state. Then it Then it has... Uh, infrasound, very, very low level sound uh, built in. And then it has um, subliminals as well. So basically, that's why, where the name comes from infraliminal. It's a combination of infrasound, specific frequency patterns, and, uh, and subliminal uh, programming. So the combination of those factors all brought together in one, one technology is, is basically. The, how it works um, it doesn't use any binaural beats or anything like that it's a totally different thing doesn't um, have any relationship to that other than they're both sound um, so that's kind of uh, key as well um, but but what I just how it was developed was really using neurofeedback and looking at the type of uh, brain state I would get into when I would go into the vibrational state and then also um, trying to cause that kind of effect using different sound effects and things like that. And we kind of started a little bit from, like I was mentioning with shamanic trance, often uses this rhythmic drumming and things like that. But I then started to wonder if you could combine that in a way with frequency um, to create this frequency uh, rhythm. So that that was sort of the early stages that I developed in the late 90s, about 98 um, and I started using NLP and hypnosis in some of my structures. Uh, for example, I made a structure that I call Epicene, um, which was a large steel frame, uh, which had a, a platform, a kind of bed-like platform suspended in the middle by very, very fine steel wire. So you basically couldn't see it. So when the person would go and lay on that platform, it would feel like they were floating in space, essentially. And then the uh, sound would be triggered. So there would be this combination of sound and hypnotic induction, which would uh, hopefully take them to, to the vibrational state or to the out-of-body experience. 
and through doing those kinds of things, immersing that person in that kind of level of uh, experience, it would start to uh, increase their chances of having the experience. So it wasn't a huge increase. You're talking sort of in the region of um, 7%, something like that. But if you imagine taking that 7% and then adding that in with changes in diet, for example, that also help the experience, uh, reductions in stress that also help the experience, um, doing other forms of trance work that also you know, when you bring all of those factors together, that's really when, um, you know, you go into a huge advantage to have consistent experiences. And that's really how I teach it. I just wanted to ask you if you are you familiar with the, uh, they call them the floating tanks. I don't know if that's exactly the correct. Yes, flotation tanks. Yes, yeah. I'm interested in all forms of sensory deprivation as well. It's another area that I, that I work with sometimes. And, um, I, I did a lot of research in my in my early days with with looking into this uh, type of area, and I I researched a, a scientist called John Zubeck, who did fifteen years of research into sensory deprivation, and I learned a lot from looking at the types of work he did and how he found that certain types of uh, sensory deprivation would induce certain types of trance state, certain types of um, experiences like out-of-body experiences and things like that. So I do, uh, from time to time, use flotation tanks and also with my own uh, structures and things like that. They're based on the same sort of principle of, of creating um, creating that sense of the senses being shut down so that you can experience the inner core again as i mentioned yeah that's uh something that's been uh, slowly uh gaining momentum here in the u.s is those those uh, sensory deprivation tanks mm. I, know, I know there's a couple in uh, new york city and uh, california where, where people just go and they they just lose all contact with <laughs> you know the outside world and they just you know almost almost like meditating with no sense of of your senses basically <laughs> and, yeah they, they they were popular a few decades ago but um yeah i think people like joe rogan have repopularized them in in recent years so it's it's really good i, I think they're an amazing thing and and a great way to uh introduce ideas like this to to a sort of wider public i think yeah and i think he's even installed them in his in his house um, mm, yeah, he has one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and your other book, Avenues of the Human Spirit. Do you want mm. uh, talk about that at all? Well, Avenues of the Human Spirit is really my personal journey with with the out of body experience and beyond. The also the areas like um, seeing apparitions, um, shared experiences of seeing a kind of orb. Uh, energy uh, form and things like that with my close friend when I was a teenager, um, other sort of visionary type experiences and things like that. So it really goes into the types of experiences I've had over over the years, experiences that seem to be like going into afterlife levels and things like that, seeing um, people, you know, that seem to have uh, just passed over. One experience where I saw um, a plane crash, for example. Um, well, I, I saw the, the people who seemed to have died in a plane crash and then discovered after the out-body experience that there had actually been a plane crash. So that was actually one of those more subjective experiences, but at the same time, it was one that matched with with our sort of consensus reality. So that was very interesting. It was almost like a, a verification of the afterlife in, to some degree. Um, so that was that was an interesting experience, and that's all described in in Never News of the Human Spirit. And then at the end, I bring it all together into uh, what I call a philosophy of benevolence. This idea of um, basically all of these experiences have led me to a greater sense of feeling interconnection with everything around me and uh, living a, a more benevolent life. You know, basing my essential ideas on the the golden rule the idea of do unto others as you would yourself that core spiritual value that's really um been in humanity for forever so um 
I think that's really the the whole journey with the whole thing, and and that book explores all of those ideas in a lot more depth. So that's really what it's about. Now, I just wanted to ask about that plane crash uh, story that you had. That wasn't a future experience. It wasn't a past experience. It was almost like a real time. It was real time. Yeah. Okay. So it was you were experiencing as they were experiencing. Yeah, I, okay. I basically I, I laid down um, to do my OBE practice. I hadn't seen the news or anything like that. And I, I just laid down and I went into the out-of-body experience. And instead of finding myself in more the physical environment, I found myself in a very misty, very classic afterlife-looking environment. Very misty, no particular buildings or structures or plants or anything, just this sort of mist but at a distance, um, maybe around 150 meters again, actually, like like some of the precognitive experiences. But at a distance to me, there was a group of maybe 200 people who looked confused, unsure what had happened. I, I got the impression that they'd passed over very fast and that they were now all in this sort of in-between state and didn't really know what was taking place. Um and I felt like I wanted to kind of try and comfort them or communicate something to them, or but I couldn't reach them. They were they were at a distance to me. I don't know if that's because I was still alive and you know I couldn't cross that threshold or something like that. I don't know. But there was a a sense of distance, and I sort of wanted to reach out to them, but I couldn't. And then I just felt myself going back, sort of through the mistiness, and 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 was back in my body. And then that evening I was just watching the news with my family and there was a story that there'd been this plane crash and and all these people had had died 200 or so people so that was a you know that that seemed to correlate well with that particular experience I couldn't be totally sure obviously but it I, I felt very much that that's what I'd seen in the experience have you noticed that uh, when you become more proficient, and uh, both Tom, uh, when we were filming him, Tom Campbell had mentioned, and even Till Swan in this podcast a few episodes back, they both said that uh, once you become proficient in becoming out of body, uh, the universe kind of puts you at work. Is that? Do you think that maybe putting you in that OBE next to the plane crash do you think maybe they're like trying to test you to see if they were you were going to work or um or have you had other experiences where you've helped people cross over or maybe um help? i guess i guess there's been i i guess my work in general uh feels like it's related to that kind of thing and related to helping people and um healing and and those kinds of things in in general um I've, I guess as well. I've also done like physical activism in in trying to to help people. So in in some senses, I don't just focus on the outer body experience. Um, you know, I, I back in the in in around two thousand and three or so. I I that was when I really started doing active work in that sense, and I I got involved in the Make Poverty History campaign and started an organisation to sort of fight uh, poverty and was working on those kinds of areas. I've constantly worked with animal rights and promoting human rights and things like that. So I guess a lot of my putting to work in, in if you like in those contexts has been more in in a in a physical practical sense but I think by giving people these experiences and reconnecting them with their loved ones and helping them uh, in that process I think uh, that's really uh, also been a factor of, of what I do but but I don't you know it, it's a whole spectrum of different areas I guess teaching people to have the experience um, working with people to sort of make a shift in their life and their reality and also uh you know actually trying to help the people who are really disadvantaged and 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 suffering in this world because in many ways i came from a quite a, a hard background when i was a child as well and so i've kind of 
still got that awareness of of people who are surrounded by problems and social issues and things like that and i i want to reach out to that and work with that kind of compassion really and and i think the animal issue is a huge one as well because human beings enslave and and murder billions of animals for no reason whatsoever and harm their own health at the same time so i feel that uh, veganism and animal rights is also a huge issue for, for the environment for human beings and for animals now the next question i don't know if you if you want to answer this uh it's kind of a big question and it kind of <laughs> it's almost like if you know you've been going out of body you've talked to uh, i'm assuming you probably talked to your guides um or maybe you have a different view of that um, um, I, I have I have um, intelligences or beings or whatever you want to call that I would describe as guides. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what they are, but okay. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I understand what you're asking. Yes. So, have you asked uh, what this is all about? Um, is, like the point of life, I guess. I. I feel the point of life is what you make it, um, and I and I feel that um, that if there's a lesson that we need to learn, it's it's the responsibility to decide and to choose for ourselves what what our purpose is. Um, there's no easy um, explanation. There's no someone going to come and tell you this is what it's all about. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. I think that's the that's the big message. It's interesting when religious people say, "How can you be moral without without a religion?" And I think it's almost the opposite. I think that if something has to tell you to be moral, then you don't understand what being moral is. And so I think if if you know, if you need something to tell you what the purpose of your life is and what the purpose of life is, then you haven't fully understood the value of your life and the and the, and the essence of it. That's how, that's how I feel. I'm not imposing that on anyone else. But if you ask me that question, that's how I feel. I feel that we have to learn to take responsibility and define and explore and, and make that choice and decision for ourselves. I think we need to embrace diversity we need to embrace um all of the different flavors of humanity and life in general throughout the world and and the more we can do that the more um hate and violence and racism and homophobia and all of these different ideas will diminish because we will start to see the value in indifference and i think that's what we really need to see more in the world that was a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, if I could, I'd stand up and give you an applause for that. That was pretty good. That That's exactly, you know, how I see things and, you know, I wish things would be, you know, like that. Um, but uh, I guess, and this is probably one of my last questions is, is there a reason why we have this ability to go out of body or remote view is it something that was, I don't know, programmed this way or it's just, this is just how, I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I, I don't know, even know how to ask the question now, the more I think about it. It's kind of like, you know, 90% of the population of the globe doesn't go out of body consciously, but we do it and and then there's, the, you know, the the bunch of us that, can do it consciously is there a reason why we have this ability or i think we... it's i think it's just our nature i think it's just a part of our our reality it's a part of the world we inhabit and um because because we're not we're not just um you know we 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 operate in in multiple forms in in our lives you know we 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 have our social life we have our our work life we have all these different aspects of how we live and how we interact and i think that and reality is the same there is 
the levels of nature there's the laws of physics there's the cosmology the universe beyond all the black holes and the you know there's there's these different aspects of of the the world that we see and we understand and i think that um on on a smaller level on a sort of microcosm the outer body experience is like is like the difference maybe between outer space and the physical uh, our physical lives you know it's sort of we need to learn to sort of embrace all of it you you mentioned that some people never have an out body experience and they they don't sort of ever focus on that but i think many people don't even make time to ask the question what do i really want in my life many of us unfortunately just go into this process of I'm going to be educated and then I'm going to get a job and then I'm going to get a mortgage and have a family and then I'm going to basically die. And, and, and it's sort of this, this predetermined sort of route in life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's no judgment in that. But what I think is more of us need to take a moment and say, actually, is this really what I want? Maybe what some of those people would actually rather be a hermit out in the woods. Maybe one of those people would rather, um, you know, become an artist or an activist to help the world. Or, you know, there's so many forms that it could take. And again, that goes back to what I was saying about um, diversity, embracing diversity. If, if instead of following the sort of the crowd, the herd, and more of us defined what we really want and who we really want to be i think then then we would be in a much better situation in the world okay that makes sense yeah and i want to ask you about the events that you do you have any events coming up and what would what are the events that you that you normally do in like a group setting um, mostly what I do is, is the, is the course online and, and, and the online coaching. But when I, but I do quite a lot of lectures and conferences and, and things like that. But, um, the next thing that people might be interested in, especially people in the UK is, uh, in, in around November, I'm going to be doing a joint event, a joint workshop, um, with, uh, Anthony Peak. I don't know if you know Anthony Peake's work, but he's an excellent um, guy doing amazing research and really pushing things forward in terms of understanding what's going on in terms of science and trying to understand these things um, with as little uh, pre-assumption as, as possible. I mean, he he is someone who's willing to change his mind, and I think that's very, very important. Um, and actually, when he encountered my experiences, he did he did change his mind about that outer body experiences can be an objective thing. Um, so me and Anthony are going to do a, a workshop where I, I will focus on some of the more philosophical and practical sides, and he will talk more about the scientific and the uh, implications of the of the science, etc. So that's going to be an exciting workshop coming up, in, and that will be in the UK. And we may even uh, uh, do it in the US at some point as well. So if people want to add me on Facebook or follow uh, me on my website, there's a mailing list. Um, they'll get information when that gets gets the dates get finalised, etc. All right, and yeah, we're familiar with Anthony. Uh, we haven't talked to him directly yet, but we want to eventually get him on the show. We kind of like what he, where, you know, where he's going with his his work, and uh, yeah, you'll definitely have to keep us posted. You know, like I said before the show, um, if you come to the U.S., you know, look us up, and uh, <laughs> love to talk to you in person, and you know, maybe do a that live would be podcast. Great. That yeah. would be great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, hopefully one day when we do our world tour, you know, we can go to the UK and talk to you and people like Anthony. and Or Estonia, even. Yeah, Estonia, yep. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that would be great. And so you mentioned Facebook. You have your website, uh, which we'll put in the show notes, and people can click on them and go right to them. Do you have any other sites? Are you on Twitter or uh I am on Twitter. It's just Graham underscore Nichols. That's Nichols with two L's. And 
yeah, they're the they're the main ones that I use really. I mean, Facebook's probably the the best one to keep up with my workshops and my my courses and events, etc. Okay, is that a page or is that a, a group on Facebook? I have a group. I have a like page, and I have my people can just also friend me if they want, or 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 like me on the like page, and I post everything on both of those places, so they'll okay. find out. And the Navigator course, they can join that at any time because there's pre-recorded as well as live classes, so that's always available as well. Yeah, uh, I might look into that Navigator course. That sounds like something I could probably use to. Get- uh, as I get more advanced, so yeah, it's something I should okay. look into. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, uh, yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about that I may have missed? There is a collaborative book coming out soon where I get more into the evidence side of things. Um, so that's going to be called Consciousness Beyond the Body, and that's a collaborative book with a few different authors are are going to be in on that. So. Um, that's going to be coming out later this year, so that's and that's going to be free as well. So it's a free ebook for anyone who's interested, basically. Oh, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I'll definitely look forward to that. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get you back on, and if the other authors that you're collaborating with, maybe we get the whole group on and uh, <laughs> have a roundtable discussion about it. That could be interesting. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it's nice to talk about the kind of the wider spiritual um, implications of it all, I think, as well. So um, I think that's often can get overlooked by the focus on, on the fact that the experience is quite dramatic and powerful, etc. But um, it does have that, that impact on the individual as well, which I think is, is kind of important. And it tends to get emphasized with near-death experiences, but less so without a body and i think they're both they both have that similar effect on people yeah yeah and also too um i i know you know you and you kind of mentioned it too that you don't want to talk about the uh, the other experiences outside of this um, physical reality um well, not too, not too much. I mean, I, right. I will talk about them, but I just don't. I don't want kind of to push that on people too much because I've I've seen that be a bit um, detrimental to people sometimes because they expect their experiences to be like, you know, whoever they've read or things like that. And I I try to emphasise the experiences are different for different people. Um, you know, depending on what their alignment is and you know, how, how much other practice they do and things like that, like meditation and things seem to have a quite a profound effect on the quality and the length and depth of the experience, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, cause I, I kind of hit on it a little bit that, you know, I'm on a fine line where there's like the younger side of me is like, Oh, you got to find out about such and such worlds and, beings and, but then the other side's like yeah well you got to be you know respectful for the newcomer that you know you don't want to you know as and tom had always said you don't want to direct them to your experience they want to have their own experience yeah and I, I i like that about tom a lot i mean i definitely have a lot of respect for that that opinion because in, in many ways the you know, talking about all the fantastical stuff is is tempting because it's people like it. It's enjoyable, um, but we've got to remember that we're not. You know, th- there's a degree of entertainment in what we're doing, but it's more, far more important than that. And right. you know, it's important to keep the integrity of not, you know, not getting caught up in the the bells and whistles, if you like, as they <laughs> would say. Um, you know, and to focus on, you know what what the actual core of the experience is i mean those those subjective levels are are amazing but they do they do seem to be quite different for different people and it's a bit like i guess different religions it's very hard to you know because they all they're all convinced they're correct 
and it's a bit like that with with the OBE work. It's like every every OBE person's like, oh, you know, my take on it's you know correct or whatever. And I I just think we need to remember, well, you know, no one's correct as such. We're we're just trying to understand it, and but the best way to do that is through, you know. Um, the objective or the as much scientific sort of attitude and what I mean by that is the scientific method not scientific dogma I mean looking at it with okay can we can we find something to support that idea is there something beyond just my personal experience you know Um, because I think it's healthy to even question your own experiences it's very easy to get um deluded about things and to lose yourself in things i I just want to ask you if you like you if you do especially the one-on-one coaching or if you're you know teaching a group do you take in uh, like your students um uh experiences do you allow yourself to totally get immersed into their experience but then you're able to keep it you know at uh, on the side saying well this is their experience this is not something that i might ever experience but do you i don't know if i'm answering that or asking i, that I right. guess i guess i have experienced something similar to most of what people describe to me so i can usually relate it to something um i do occasionally get someone who will describe something that's really nothing like i've experienced um but that that's quite rare. Um, I guess my early experiences were more were more in the realm of I'd say in a way more of the illusionary type aspects were more common in the early experiences, which goes back a bit to when you were asking about uh, does the experience change over time and things like that. Well, the early experiences when I was often had more of a, a body in the out of body experience and I, I you know the environment around me was more like physical and um structured in a but but in a more um it was more like a sort of psychological version at some points in the early experiences but then with meditation especially zazen zen meditation um i slowly sort of seemed to dissolve that and what happened was the body and all of that kind of stuff seemed to become less in, less and less important. And then instead of the environment looking sort of dark and um, structured in a, in a sort of uh, very heavy way, it seemed to become full of light and much more accurate, much more objectively real in the sense of this reality when we, when we share things in this reality so it seemed to actually become more accurate and more precise over time and that's really continued so I I do think that so that that has led me to to feel that a lot of the early stuff can be more fantastical and that's maybe when like even on other levels it was more I don't know more like uh like almost like a film idea filmic idea of what the the astral planes or something like that would be or maybe more of an esoteric idea because i guess i was reading all these astral projection books that talked in layers and planes and spheres and all these different ideas from the sort of more new age ideas that come from theosophy mainly so you have a lot of these theosophical ideas that come in um and then are now really been have been repackaged as the new age really um and a lot of that didn't match with the experiences or it was far too subjective so when i looked at it again i found that hold on that's not really that's not really a sort of objective experience but over time that sort of stuff seemed to dissolve and things that I could verify and be objective about came in even on the other levels like I mentioned the plane crash experience that was obviously on another level but it was something that could that I was then able to also verify to some degree so I think a lot like the Buddhist ideas or the meditational ideas that maybe in some senses we're seeing things in a more illusory sense on one level at one stage as we develop and as we learn to see things as they truly are, 
the the illusions disappear we start to literally see things as they are and and i think that's really what science is the scientific method is an attempt to strip away your belief systems your assumptions your delusions all of that stuff and to just be clear and to just say what is really happening and that's the beauty of of the sort of scientific method i think okay yeah that makes sense thanks for uh thanks for joining us today um i I know we're almost at the like two hours now but uh (laughs) time kind of just flies when you get into it though and, well, it, it's it's good to not just cut things to an hour and, and et cetera anyway, I think, because um, sometimes the hour only covers the sort of bare basics. And then, you know, I, I think in many ways when you when you start to go beyond that, you start to get the real insights and the really interesting stuff that you can't really cover in an hour. Yeah, that's true. And... Um... I was going to ask you another question, but I don't. I don't know if I don't know if you have time for another question or. Yeah, go for it. I I, I wanted to ask you about time, um, in the out of body state. Is it how how much different do you experience time, than in the physical? It does depend on the, on the experience. Um, I've had a real variation over the years with that. The longest out of body experience I ever had was twelve hours. Um, wow. Yeah, and but it didn't feel like twelve hours. I only know it was twelve hours by the clock, but um, it actually felt more like, you know, maybe maybe an hour or two. Um, hard to hard to say exactly, but um, it definitely didn't feel like twelve hours. So that's one example. Then recently, I had an out of body experience that was my longest recent experience in the last year. Let's say. Um, where I went to the over the Arctic Ocean and I went over the Nordic seed bank um, that's up there where they've got seeds from all over the world stored in a huge vault underground. I didn't even know that existed, interestingly, um, but I saw it from above in the out-of-body experience and I was able to identify the island because I, I moved away from the island off to the east and as I moved across to the east, I saw another island that resembled a boot, um, but in the reverse direction to Italy. So Italy sort of goes one way, this one was going the other way. Um, And that suggested to me that I might be able to locate where this was. It was obviously the Arctic because it was all ice and snow and I was obviously in the far north. So after the experience, I was able to locate that boot-shaped island and then across from that um, was where this... uh, where the seed bank is um it's called something like salvald I, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly in norwegian but um uh, something like that um and so across to the to the east was this boot island and i moved down into the the north of finland um which is not far from where i live so it's kind of i was sort of moving back towards where i was physically um and i i saw a, a man who seemed to look into me i don't know if he could actually see me but it was almost like we had a a connection and he was a sami man um which is the sort of native finnish people who the kind of folk traditions and the they live with the reindeer they're a very sort of um traditional people so he was in sami costume um so that was a very profound experience i had quite recently um and in that experience, it was two hours long, roughly, but it was two hours long in reality, so the time matched quite well. But then I've had other experiences where I've been out for a very short period of time, literally in physical time, but the experience seemed to last much longer. So it seems to be the full spectrum of distortion is possible within the experience, but most of my experiences do seem to match fairly closely with physical time. Okay, yeah, I've had, um, not, I haven't really analyzed the time and at least my out-of-body experiences, but I know with dreams and with sleep, it feels like you're sleeping for hours and hours, like 10 hours, and then you wake up, you look at the clock, it's only been like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know kind of what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask you too was um, 
and William Buhlman talks about this, is the shared experience. Mm. Uh, have you had any shared experience where you've gone, met somebody, then you came back to your body and then talked about it with the other person? I have. It's not a common experience, um, but at times I've had things like that with my with my uh, partner and uh, actually had a very interesting experience recently where it was like the two of us were laying on, on our bed um, and it was like, I, well, both of us or one of us was projecting um, a humanoid form, like a, basically like an energy body above us and we could both physically see it. So it was like we were um, sharing this moment of sort of both projecting an energy form out from our bodies and, and perceiving it from, a, uh, from underneath. Um, and that stayed there for a long period of time and we both saw it physically. So that was a very sort of related, interesting experience. Um, I've also had experiences where people have seen me while they were physical and while I was in an out-of-body experience, people usually see other people in the form of a shadow, a uh, shadow, humanoid shadow form. Okay. That's the most common description. One of my students recently had an amazing experience where he uh, met with his young son. Um, uh, I think he was 11, 11-year-old 11 boy, um, while he was having an out-of-body experience. So they both met while out-of-body, and it was the little boy's first ever out-of-body experience, and he met his father during the experience, and they both saw each other as shadows. Um, so I've also had a few um, shared experiences with a with a close friend when I was at school as well. So a few um, intermittent experiences of sharing OBEs, but it's it's not the most common more common for me has probably been sharing some kind of uh uh experience of energy or a sort of ghost type experience or things like that as i mentioned the sphere when i was younger that i both that we both saw and the uh the torso the figure that me and my partner um projected or saw recently so that was quite recently only like a year or so ago i think so yeah, things like that. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting, you know. The, you've grown up, at least I have grown up thinking, you know, that, you know. And I mentioned it too in the show that you know it's not really supposed to talk about it, but I, I find it fascinating, and I, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> but I, I guess I was lucky that I didn't have any. Um, religious dogma or anything like that in my in my family. Both my parents are non-religious and and weren't practicing any kind of religious belief or anything like that. So they they didn't really have any judgment or anything like that towards what I was doing. They just uh, and I, I was very open about it. I talked about it constantly. Probably drove them mad. Um, <laughs> talking about it um but i was very open about it all and they were very ordinary down-to-earth londoners um didn't really know what to make of uh, the things i was describing probably um and they're still interested and supportive but you know it's not it's not something they understand or, or are particularly drawn to um but yeah, they don't have definitely don't have a, a negative or particularly positive attitude. They're like just neutral about it, really. Do you have uh, siblings? I have a brother. Does he uh, does he do this too, or is he kind of like your parents? No, he's like my parents. He's okay. uh, I, I I don't think we've ever even really talked about it very much. It's it's a it's a subject that I think he tends to avoid. Um, we sort of talk around it, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not, not something he's really drawn to either. So yeah. Um, but, but he's never said anything negative about it or anything. He's just, you know, it's, it's Graham's thing, I think is how he looks yeah. at it. Yeah. That, that's kind of how, uh, how I am with my immediate family, my extended family. Uh, <laughs> there's a, uh, I have a, couple of relatives that they won't even watch the films that I've done um, 
they, I, I, I'm sure they don't even listen to this uh, <laughs> podcast, but it's, you know, because they're just so wrapped up into if it didn't come from the church, then it must be, you know, bad and, you know, you're going to punish for eternity kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, but <laughs> I, interestingly, um, I don't know if you've spoken to Evan Alexander or um, you're aware of his work. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I I did a dialogue with Evan Alexander when we were um, both talking at the conference in Las Vegas last last year. Um, and then as a kind of disconnected thing, but then again, um, he was on a, a Christian radio show that I was also invited to to speak on and, and we were debating a skeptic interestingly um and uh during during that debate um the the whole sort of issue of well not actually not really during the debate but sort of after the debate the whole issue of um these kinds of experiences and christianity came up because the whole debate was mainly focused on science and the out-of-body experience and those kinds of things but um it didn't really get into the christian perspective which i think is a real strength of that show because the the guys who do it to their credit don't push the religion and they're very open-minded and they really they're they're willing to debate and to have the dialogue about their religion versus the science or versus other alternative viewpoints etc um but the host interestingly sent me a lot of links afterwards saying that he actually felt that my viewpoint clearly was coming from um, a viewpoint consistent with Christ and positive sort of values in his in his understanding. And he sent me a lot of links that, that um, seemed to reference out-of-body experiences in the Bible. Um, so that was quite interesting, um, yeah. that he was a, he was a Christian, but he didn't take the the standard oh this is you know a bad thing angle he he saw it as um you're experiencing your spirit directly and that you know why should there be anything wrong with that and i i agree i don't see any reason why it would be anti any of the religions really it's just good to see that you know the host being even though they're deeply rooted in religion they still have a pretty good open mind about it that's pretty good yeah Thanks for coming on the show. It was a great talk, and uh, we want to, you know, eventually have you back at some point. Thank you. That would be great. And yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been been really great, and um, I will let you know when I'm over in the U.S. If you have a suggestion for our show, please contact us on our website at www.thepathseries.com, and please rate and review us in iTunes as well. You can also find our films at our website as well as Vimeo.com, GuyMTV.com, Amazon.com, and iTunes.